The following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the Word of God without apology. For more information about our church, visit our website at harvestberry.ca or email us at info at harvestberry.ca. We trust that this message will challenge and transform you. All right, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1 uh, today. We're in this little series called Savior and um, started on Good Friday with a message on the crucifixion of Christ, his atoning uh, crucifixion, and we looked at his life-giving resurrection on Easter Sunday, and then um, uh, today, what we want to look at is his empowering ascension. And I said in the last message that um, we are living, I really believe this, that in this generation, we are living to see the world's unraveling Remember me saying this, we are living to see the world's unraveling and that the only hope any of us has is in the Savior, Jesus Christ. And um, if you've done that, if you've personally received Jesus Christ and you have the peace that floods your own heart and you have all of the benefits, I don't need to rehearse all of that, but all of the benefits that Jesus Christ has provided to you, then you should know that Jesus also charges and commissions you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he charges and commissions you to tell other people what has happened to you, what you have, all of the benefits that Christ has given to you. Jesus commissions and charges us to tell everyone that they too are in peril and that this world that we're in is perishing and that the only hope is the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this message really is about the mission Jesus gives us, the life purpose that all of us have as the followers of Jesus Christ. It might be different in a, in a specific way for each of us, but overarching all of that is a single commission, a single mission to fulfill. And in today's passage, we're gonna witness the ascension of Jesus Christ from earth to heaven. And again, we've looked at his crucifixion, we've looked at his resurrection, now the ascension to heaven. And you should know that before he ascended to heaven, he gave you a mission to fulfill. So let's read the text. This is Acts chapter one, verses six through 11. And then I'll pray and we'll start working through these verses together. Acts 1, 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go. Let's pray together. Father, we, uh, we need you again today to speak to us. And we know that you have spoken to us in your word. And we pray, God, that you would show us now uh, from what we've just read 
what needs to change in our lives so that we would better conform to the image of Christ. And God, we would pray specifically that you would stir our hearts for those who do not yet know you. And God, that you would help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to fulfill our mission in this world. And God, all of this would be for your glory. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, church. Ready to go? All right. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave you a mission to fulfill. Uh, Let's start with this. He wants you uh, really to feel the urgency of this mission. And I love the question that these uh, followers of Jesus, his very first disciples, they ask him a question. Now, you know the events, the crucifixion has happened, he was buried on the third day, he was raised to new life, and, and now, as we come to this part in, in Acts 1, uh, really several weeks have passed, and Jesus has been spending time with his followers to get them ready for this mission that's upcoming. They don't precisely know all the details of that. All they know is that Jesus was dead, now he's alive, and he's back with us, and this is awesome. That's, what they, that's all they know. This is awesome. And so they came together, and and so they asked him this question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And the reason why I love that question is because it shows such eagerness. This is what they really want. They're anticipating everything that Jesus had preached to them. They're anticipating that this could be the very moment when it happens. That's why it's such a great question remembering everything he had said about the kingdom, the prayers that they had prayed, even the fact that he had taught them to pray, thy kingdom come. And they were waiting for that. They knew the prophecies that had been told to them from the Old Testament, how those had been fulfilled in Jesus and what yet remained to be fulfilled. Jesus had died just a few weeks prior to this and he had come back and now he was here. And so what was really hindering the launching of the kingdom of God on earth? From their perspective, there was nothing standing in the way of that. And that it could happen right now, right in this moment. And so the question, completely legit. And we should appreciate that. And we should even have the same kind of question on our own hearts. God, is now the time? Is this the day? Are we in the generation? Uh, Father, could this be the moment that Jesus returns? We should have that same question in our hearts. When verse seven, Jesus says to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. It's not your place to know. It's a great question, I appreciate it, but it's, it's not yours to know. And, and there's something that goes on here. He challenges one thing, but there's something he doesn't challenge. And in the not challenging of a certain part of what they were asking, he's actually affirming that part of it. What he, what he doesn't challenge is their concept of the kingdom coming. It is going to come. The longing that you have is phenomenal. You have it straight in terms of what, what God is going to do. He doesn't challenge that part of it, but really affirms it by his silence. What he does challenge is just simply their timing. And I want you to see this, uh, if you could turn back to Mark's gospel for a moment, keep your uh, finger in Acts there, hard to do if you have a smartphone. And I'm just trusting you are looking at the Bible when you have your smartphones and iPads out. Um, So turn those pages 
and uh, Mark chapter 13, verse 32. And I want you to read this because this has to be in their minds. Jesus taught them to this before he was crucified. Mark 13, 32. But concerning, Jesus said this, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. And he tells them a little story, a little illustration here. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and put, puts his servants in charge, each with his own work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the cock crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say um, to you, I say to all, stay awake. Jesus is, has, has gone, is going away now, back to Acts 1. He's going away, but his message, and has always been his message, is uh, when I go, I'm going to come back. No one knows when, where, when that is. But when I come back, I better find you. What's the message of Mark 13? I better find you. You better be awake. You better be working. You better be vigilant. You better be alert and doing the things that I asked you to do. Their timing was off, but their question was great. And Jesus wanted them to remember again that the clock is running. And they should be sensing, hearing the ticking of the clock and sensing the urgency that comes with that. That he could return at any time. And for those of us in the room here, for those who are unbelievers, who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the message ought to be clear. Jesus is coming back, and if you're not in a relationship with him, when he returns, it's going to be too late, and that's not going to be great for you. And if you are a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, the message is simply this. You better be awake, you better be vigilant, you better be on the job serving Jesus Christ at his coming. There's no re, nobody really that's excluded here from the message that's coming from this text. And do you sense that urgency? And is your life exemplifying the fact that you sense that urgency, that Jesus could come back at any moment? And am I awake and serving him? Let me tell you, Maybe something that would help us understand the urgency of all of this. And, and I did a little research and I, I had to do some math, which is tough. I, I went to school for theology, not math. So I took my numbers after I had calculated everything and I ran them by Pastor Dan, not Pastor Roger. <laughs> I mean, you could just pretty much tell he's not a math guy. It's always so bad, right, when I go after you. Why did I even do that? It's like the path was right there. I shouldn't have gone down that path. They love you. Pastor Dan actually was studying math at, at, at uh, the University of Western Ontario when he got called to change course and go train for vocational ministry. So it's good to have a math guy around. So I ran the numbers by him. But um, Canada's death rate, happy Sunday, Canada's death rate is 8.3 people per thousand of population. With a population of 35, approximately 35 million, that means that 290,500 people 
die every year in our country. Or, let's break that down even closer, 796 people die every day in Canada. 800 people a day are going into eternity. They're going from this life into the next. And we are eternal beings. 800 people. Now what I have in my mind as I think about that number is this. I, I think about John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That, that's very exclusive, would you agree? That, that you have to love and serve Jesus Christ and acknowledge that he is the only way in order to be counted as one of his followers and in order to ensure that when you're one, on, one of the 800 who dies, that you're in eternity with him and not condemned to a Christless eternity without him. Now I want you to think for just a minute about the 800. And I want you to think about the exclusivity of John 14, 6. That you have to acknowledge that only Jesus Christ provides a way of salvation. And I want you to think about how many of the 800 will actually be with Jesus Christ. It's certainly not a majority. And it's probably not half. And it's probably a lot lower of a number than we would want it to be. And, and, and the 800 can then just be kind of this faithless crowd, but we all know there's hardly any of us that haven't been touched by the death of a loved one or someone who we were somewhat close to in the last 12 months. And so the 800 is not just this faceless number. The, the 800 are our, our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends and, and our loved ones, our family. We all know someone who's been touched, if we haven't directly, we all know someone who's been touched by the death of someone they love this year. Someone who's been in, eight, in the 800 on any given day. And that ought to fuel us, that ought to compel us to fulfill the mission that Jesus Christ has given to us in this world. We ought to, having heard that, if we weren't already, as a result of what Jesus has said about the kingdom and his soon coming, we ought to be compelled by the fact that a majority of people who die on any given day in our country are not going to be with Jesus. The definition of urgency that I looked at said this, requiring immediate attention or action. 800 people will die in Canada today. That requires immediate attention. That requires immediate action on our part. We don't know who the 800 are today. We, we don't know what tomorrow is gonna hold and, and who is among the 800 tomorrow. If you're, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you could be in the 800 tomorrow. Give your life to Christ today. 
Or it could be someone that you know and love that you haven't shared the gospel with. You haven't fulfilled the mission that Jesus has given to you with regard to the people that are in your life. I hope you feel the urgency and I don't want you to feel it because you feel guilty about this or weighed down or feel like it's some kind of obligation. Yes, it comes with the force of a command from Christ. Yes, there is no option here. I understand that. But I want us to feel the urgency, not simply because Jesus told me to do it, but because I genuinely feel the peril of the 800. Because I know what Jesus did for me. Because I'm both elated at everything that Christ has given to me in himself, and I'm, I'm brokenhearted. I'm distressed over those who don't yet know him. This should not me be feeling like I'm being forced to do it, but I, but I want to. I want to tell them. I want to share my faith. I want people to have what I have. I, I know there's no other answer to the questions people are asking, so I, I need to tell them the answer I have, which is the one and only answer, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. Not compelled by Jesus' command, but by Jesus' love. By what's happened to me. The fact that my sins were forgiven, and I'm not burdened by them anymore, but I have freedom in Jesus Christ. I want to share that with people. By the fact that I have a, a peace in my heart that surpasses all understanding. That I'm, I'm compelled by the hope that I have inside of me, hope Hope for now and hope for eternity. That I have a love that is incomparable and people looking for love in all the wrong places in this world. And I know where genuine love is found. The sense of belonging that I have in the church of Jesus Christ and knowing that my father has said that I'm a son of the king and an heir of all the promises of God, that the riches of heaven are available to me. To know that when I lack direction or wisdom, that he has spoken to me in his word and given me the Holy Spirit so that when I read, I know what it means to me. I have all of this. And so much more, the ability to crash the throne room of God in prayer. That God has given me access to him through Jesus Christ. I want people to know that. And I want them to have all these things too. I don't want them to live another moment without Jesus. I want to feel the urgency of the mission. And then this, to fulfill the mission, I need to also grasp the simplicity of it. Feel the urgency, grasp the simplicity of it. And I want to speak through this point about the personal responsibility that we have with respect to the mission, but then also the corporate responsibility that we have as the church of Jesus Christ. And I would say, 
uh, talking more personally now about what we ought to be doing as individual followers of Christ, I would say that the number one reason why, and tell me if this isn't true, the number one reason why people don't share their faith with others is because they say they don't know how. True or false? I think a lot of people would just say they don't know how. Now here's what I would say, my observation on that is, it's not so much that you don't know how, it's really that you're afraid, but you're using the do not, I don't know how as an excuse to hide the fact that you're just afraid. Is that more to the point? I think that's the struggle that we have is that we're really afraid, that we're ashamed, that, that we're concerned about the consequences, that we don't want to lose the relationship, that we're, that, that we're concerned about how it's going to play out in the workplace or with our neighbor, that we don't want to be seen as some crazy people in this hyper-tolerant society that we live in, daring to say that there's only one way to God. It makes us kind of fall into the category of the crazy people. And we are foolish for Christ. So we go after really both of those concerns. I don't know how and I'm afraid really with our fourth pillar and, and Harvest here, you know we have four pillars that really define the kind of ministry we do and our fourth pillar is uh, unafraid witness, uh, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness. And a boldness is not belligerence, it's not uh, being rude with people but it's, it's sharing what, what we have going in our lives that would help the person we're talking to, uh, bring them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's all it is, is I'm gonna be bold with the message. I'm gonna share what's actually happened in my own life. And when we ditch the fear and we decide to be, we, be bold, we, we realize that sharing the good news of Jesus Christ isn't actually, I'm gonna demonstrate this in a moment, it's not actually that complicated. That it is really quite simple. The message is a, is a simple one. Now I want you to look at Acts 1.8 and this is one of the most critical passages in all of scripture for articulating our mission. Really it stands right alongside Matthew 28, 19 and 20. This is Jesus' commission to his followers just before he ascends. Verse eight, but you will receive power, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth, the end of the earth. Now, two really critical words in there. You should have the whole verse underlined, but then maybe circle these two words. The first word is power, and the second word is witness. And power really speaks to God's part in all of this, and witness speaks to our part in all of this. And we're gonna look at each of those in turn here. So Jesus is sending the Holy Spirit to them. He's about to depart. And I think we could all acknowledge how awesome it would be to actually walk with Jesus. I mean, to physically have him right here and to walk with him. And that was the privilege that many of his followers, they, they had that opportunity to walk with him around Galilee and through Jerusalem and hear him teach and be, listen now, with him. How many people think it would be awesome to be with Jesus? I mean, that would be awesome in every way. But now what Jesus is saying, I'm going to go away, so I'm not going to be, quote unquote, with you anymore, but now I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who's not, not just going to be with you, but he's going to be, what's the preposition? He's going to be, he's going to be in you. 
And Jesus knows that while this is gonna be hard for them in some ways for Jesus to depart, it's infinitely better that the Holy Spirit would indwell us, be inside of us, than we would simply be walking with Jesus. This is a huge upgrade in the life of the believer. And so we're gonna break it down again, God's part. Power comes from the Holy Spirit inside of them, his presence overcoming any fear and inhibitions they have about actually sharing their faith with others. That's God's part, giving you the Holy Spirit. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit resident in you, uh, empowering you and giving you the faith and strength in order to witness to him. That's God's part. And your part is simply, I've already used the word here, your part's to witness. It's as simple as that. Be a witness. Simply tell others what's happened to you. Let me ask you uh, this. I'm just raise, a hand, or raise your hand right now, a little survey. How many people have ever been a witness in a trial? Just raise your hand. I just want to see how many people. So eight or nine people have been a witness here, but we've watched enough. How many people have ever watched a crime drama with witnesses? There you go. See, we understand. <laughs> we know all there is to know about being a witness, don't we? Because we watch television. So I, I did some reading on this, and among the things that you need to know to be a good witness, and this won't be a surprise to anybody, is you just need to tell the judge and or jury exactly what you saw. Tell them what you experienced. Tell the truth. That's really the number one thing that you need to remember if you're going to be a good witness. Now, and that's all Jesus is asking us to do. He just wants you to go and tell people what you've, what you've experienced what it's been like to be with him, to have him in your life and to be enjoying all the benefits that he's given to you. And, and he wants you to, to do this again because you want to do this, because you're volunteering to be a witness, but there is actually a bit of an obligation to it and there in the text you can actually see what he says, you, and I love the verb here, you will be my witnesses. You, you, you will, not you might be, not you could be, not, that just doesn't even read like an option to me. Does it read like an option to you? Like you could or you couldn't and it'd be okay? You, you will be my witnesses. And so if we bring it back to that courtroom experience, it is like you have received a subpoena or you've received a summons to appear and give witness. And when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, no matter what, by the manner of your life, by your actions, by the words that you speak, you are being a witness. And then the only question is, are you being effective at it? Are you a good witness or not? How deliberately, intentionally engaged are you at being a witness for Jesus Christ? So let me, let me give you some really practical help here, some things that I, I think, because maybe some of you are a little fearful of this and you still don't, you're still thinking, I still don't know how, and so I'm gonna give you some really practical things. Three ways that we are witnesses of Jesus Christ or can be witnesses of Jesus Christ to, to really engage in this. Uh, the first is, and we've talked a little bit about it already, of just telling your story. Just telling your story. The thing that people can't argue with is what Jesus has done in your life. 
You can shut down every discussion just by simply saying, look, all I know is this. Before I met Jesus, this is what my life was like. It was a train wreck. It was a disaster. I, I had all of this going on in my life, and, and, and nothing was going right for me. And, 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 then, and then I was introduced to Jesus Christ, and I turned my life over to him, and he forgave my sin. And since that time, this is what's been happening to me. Just tell your story. No one can dispute it. Why? It's your story. So tell your story about what's going on in your life. And then secondly, this, so that's the, kind of the first way to be a witness, just tell your, tell your experience. And secondly, um, would be um, uh, telling people to come and see. We have these little cards that we make up and an electronic version of that is available on our website. And you can just say to your friends, look, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure I could explain it perfectly to you, but, uh, but maybe if you come and see what God is doing, uh, in our church. Maybe if you come and, and, and experience the worship and meet some of the people and hear the teaching and just experience what it's all like. And, and I would tell you that this is probably the number one way that people come to faith in Jesus Christ in, here at Harvest is, is that they, they come to faith right in this room because someone invited them to come and see what God is doing here. And so that, both of those, would you... Would you would you confess that both of those are fairly uncomplicated, fairly simple ways that I could just tell my story or I could invite someone to come and see? And the third one arguably is a little bit more, takes a little bit more learning, homework, I get that, but it's, uh, the first one is telling your story, the second one is inviting people to come to see, and that's just like Philip and Nathaniel and John, John 1. And the third way is explaining the gospel. So being able to actually articulate what the gospel says there's five uh, different ways that I wrote down here. And I, I think I've used all of these at different times in my own walk with Christ to explain the gospel to people. And I'm not gonna go through them in any detail, but I'm gonna give you a list and you can actually search any of these online. Um, just, just Google any of these uh, words and you'll find this. So um, the first one is the, um, the wordless book. How many people have heard of the wordless book, Five Colors? A few of you, if you've ever taught children, um, uh, CEF and some of these other organizations will use the wordless book or some kind of a bracelet with five different colors on it, uh, gold, black, red, white, and green, and each of them standing for one of the key doctrines in or the understanding of the gospel. And you can use the wordless book to explain it to people, particularly good with kids. Or the ABC of the gospel, admit, believe, confess, admit that you're a sinner, believe in Jesus Christ and all that he's done, and then confess with your mouth that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, ABC. Or uh, the bridge illustration where you show two sides and God's on one side and you're on the other side and you can't get th across the chasm that exists and, and the only way to get there is the cross of Jesus Christ becomes the bridge to get into a relationship with God. Um, and then uh, the Romans road, five key verses in the book of Romans that you can mark in your Bible and use that to show someone and you start with one and it moves to another and you have all five of these verses that explain the gospel. Or the one that we have on our website and you can see this in a lot more detail, um, uh, the five gospel words where uh, there is a God we're separated from him. So God's separation, we're, separate, or, um, we're separated from him by our sin. Third word is substitution. Jesus Christ gave his life in our place. And if you believe, that's the fourth word, uh, you can have life, the fifth word. And now all of those, all five of those ways are just a really simple way to explain the gospel to people. And again, if you wanna get that, you'll have to spend some time just kind of learning that and looking at that and then feeling the courage inside of yourself from the Holy Spirit who's inside of you to be bold to share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone who God 
puts in your way. So all of that kind of on the personal side of things, right? Now the corporate side, we're spending some more time here in, in just um, grasping the simplicity of all of this. And um, the latter part of verse eight really lays out the strategy for the church when it comes to sharing the message around the world. It, Jesus says, uh, you're gonna do this in Jerusalem, in Judea, so the city of Jerusalem, Judea's the immediate area, then Samaria was kind of like the area next door to that, and then he says to the end of the earth, and we wanna pursue this, and we believe that as a church, this really uh, kind of marks our strategy as it's marked the strategy of the church since Jesus spoke it. And so um, I wanna say a few things first. It really starts uh, for us here in Barrie. And our primary responsibility is right here in our Jerusalem, in the city that God has placed us in, in the county that we find ourselves. And so for us, it starts right here. And um, we could even extend that to say part of our strategy, of course, is to acquire the property at 7 George Street and to have that as a base from which we can launch other initiatives. But for sure, and I said this at our builders meeting a few weeks ago uh, with some of our leaders, I I just said, for sure, I think you could look at the last 14 years of our ministry and say, we have not been phoning it in. We've not been just kind of biding our time, waiting until a better day, when we have a building, then we can really do some ministry. I think we've been actively involved in the Great Commission, in fulfilling Acts 1-8 from the beginning. And we've not used the fact that we're in a temporary facility as any kind of an excuse to not be fully engaged in fulfilling the mission that Jesus has given to us. Would you agree with that? We've been on it. We've been on it. And yet we want this facility because we know that it can be a catalyst to accomplish even more because of some of the things that a leased facility can, can put on you in terms of constraints. And so we're really looking to have this place of our own that will enhance our ability to reach others and impact our community and plant churches around the world. But in the time that we've been here, I just want to remind you, we had the privilege of planting Harvest Bible Chapel in Muskoka and folks from Muskoka were coming to church here and um, we partnered with Harvest Bible Fellowship to plant a church up in Muskoka and this morning as we gather here, uh, some 700 people are gonna gather in Bracebridge at a high school gym. Uh, praise the Lord for what they're doing. There's another campus with about 80, 90, 100 people in Perry Sound uh, that they've launched and uh, praise the Lord for that and what God is doing and that's because we believed in the Acts 1-8 strategy and we believe that, I don't know if Muskoka is Samaria, but I mean we had to plant something uh, kind of next door to us. We've been involved in uh, Harvest Glasgow, uh, Scotland, Harvest Douala, Cameroon. Uh, both of those are partnerships that we have where we're coaching and mentoring and supporting. Uh, Glasgow is now fully independent. And all of this is evidence of the Acts 1-8 strategy that we've taken super seriously here. So that's the first one. The second thing I would say here, I've got five of these, by the way, just speaking about our Acts 1-8 strategy here at the church. The first one is, is uh, uh, kind of reaching our Jerusalem. And then the second one would be these come and see cards. And we've talked about this. And this is, I wanna say it again, because this is a big part of our strategy to reach. Again, because so many people come to faith right here when they see what God is doing here. And how often have I talked to people at Guest Central who, who um, might have been church people in the past or might not have been, but I'm telling you something, nine out of 10 people we meet at Guest Central were brought here because somebody invited them. I know this person, I know that person. We, 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 we ran into them and they invited us to come here. And we, we, we were part of a church in the past or maybe we weren't, but 
I mean, this is a big part of it, and we're eager for a lot more of that to happen at our new location as we try to craft a worship experience that people want to come to. It will maximize our effectiveness for Jesus Christ around this commission that he's given to us. And then I would just say uh, thirdly about Simcoe County, and uh, we really are a regional church in the sense that people come to us from all around uh, north and south and west, not too many coming from east. The people who know geography and know that there's a lake east of us laughed at that, but... um, so in 2011, it's five years ago now, we presented a vision, a number of vision initiatives, and part of that was we recognized that we live in Simcoe County in the second largest uh, county by area in the province. And so it takes a long time to drive north and south, east and west in our, in our county, and we knew that a lot of people lived in kind of the more outlying from where we are, kind of central to the county, people living in outlying areas that it's just too far of a drive to come in here and we set out this vision where we said we would like a Harvest Bible Chapel campus, how many of you remember this, within 20 minute drive of every person in Simcoe County. How many people remember that vision in 2011? All right, and so we kind of have that back in our heart but I think one of the things we recognized and this was especially true when we were examining Collingwood with Sega Beach a number of years ago, one of the things that was really true about it was we just recognized we needed a permanent base here in Barrie first. We needed to have some sense of we were settled here and, and had some resources in place that were going to help us launch these campuses into other parts of the county. So we, we still do have it very much in our heart to have a campus in Collingwood and Wasega Beach area, in Midland and Penetang uh, area, in Aurelia and in Alliston. And we're asking God to give us uh, those uh, towns and cities uh, in the coming years after we get ourselves set at 7 George Street. And that's part of our reaching of Judea. And then um, as a support to all of that, I wrote down uh, compassion ministry, these efforts that are meant to show the love of Jesus Christ in really practical ways. We do that outside of our city. We do it inside of our city. Outside of our city, we support an orphanage in Ibadan, Nigeria. And uh, we're excited about that partnership and the impact that they're making in their city and in the lives of orphans. And uh, we um, also support um, uh, outside of ourselves uh, some medical missions that we have sent uh, to Cameroon, one last year and another medical mission that will go out from our church uh, this year, uh, this summer. In our city, the Pregnancy Resource Center, the Berry Food Bank are both partners. Cove Teen Counseling is a new initiative that we're coming alongside to launch in our city. And then uh, partnerships with a number of other agencies, uh, not uh, the least of which we're trying to impact through our 5,000 Hours campaign, which I would encourage you again, where are you volunteering? Are you logging your hours? Let's make an impact in our city And all of this with a goal to point people to Jesus Christ through just this loving compassion, hands-on, helping those who have uh, needs in our community and beyond. And then finally, I just wrote down global church planting. I've touched on this a little bit, um, but really this refers to, you know, in the Acts 1-8 model, Samaria and to the end of the earth. And again, we've had a big hand on Scotland with uh, Harvest Bible Chapel Glasgow. What's really encouraging now that they're fully independent and self-supporting is they now have a vision to reach the six major cities in uh, their own country in Scotland. And we want to come alongside them as a partner with them taking the lead now to reach their own country. And so... uh, uh, we're going to be praying and seeking God that, that Pastor Scott in Glasgow will be able to find 
a core group in one of these other cities and a church planter who would be willing to go there and to establish a Second Harvest Bible Chapel in uh, the UK. And we want to be alongside them in all of that. And then our partnership, a very um, deep partnership, a very committed partnership that we have in Cameroon, in Central Africa. Uh, Chicago, Harvest Chicago gave us um, oversight of this field and we have a great partnership now with two churches in Cameroon. And in two weeks time, uh, Terry, uh, who's the chairman of our elders and also the coordinator of our global ministries uh, efforts, uh, he's gonna be traveling back to Cameroon to do assessment of church planters, assessment of elders, and the assessment of a new core group in the capital of, of Cameroon, Yaoundé. And so we're really excited about how that field is expanding. You can be praying for Terry as he goes and represents us on that as we continue to see church planting there uh, grow. Also investigating, and this is really exciting, through members of our church, we've come into contact with a core group in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. I've had two Skype meetings with them. I've talked to Harvest Chicago about them. They are submitting their paperwork, and a church planter is submitting his paperwork just to go through the assessment process and see if there's the possibility of us planting a Harvest Bible Chapel in Cabo San Lucas. I plan to make that a partner church of ours where I'll be ministering January through... March, I have no ulterior motives. I'm, I'm just for the gospel. And I'm willing to sacrifice whatever it takes for that. That's just all ridiculous and none of that was in the notes. And then, um, and then Quebec, um, my heart for Quebec as a, as a Montrealer, my heart for Quebec is huge and have been having conversations over the last several uh, years really trying to find contacts in anybody who might be interested in planting a Harvest Bible Chapel uh, in that province, and you can be praying for that as well. And, and plus, we have a hand in so many other things that are happening through Harvest Bible Chapel that we're really excited about. Uh, so you know, 5% of everything that we give to the general fund, all of your offerings that you give, 5% of that goes to Harvest Bible Fellowship and is reinvested back into church planting in the same way that a lot of money was invested in us to plant this church. We need to pay that back in terms of uh, supporting the entire church planting effort, all of the training that happens in Chicago, a new training center just opened in Europe, a new training center will be opening in the Caribbean, in uh, St. Vincent, and so we're excited about how this is just multiplying around the world, and so even places where we don't have direct connection, like Cameroon or Scotland, we're still involved through the funding of the Harvest Bible Fellowship, and so a couple of things just to report here, uh, we now have planted, since we started planting uh, around 15 years ago, uh, 16 years ago now, uh, 152 church plants in the last 16 years in 19 countries on five continents. I'll pause for applause. Amen. Amen. And you know how every once in a while we'll just throw a, a slide up on the screen. We'll say, hey, this week, you know, a new church is starting in Cincinnati or, you know, we kind of put that in front of you. But sometimes you forget the cumulative effect of all of this. And so this next slide really just shows you um, all of the churches on the left were all started in 2015 and all the ones on the right are 2016 church plants. And so God's doing an awesome thing, don't you think? That's kind of the cumulative, praise God, uh, for all of that as well. Now, I just want you to see how simple that is, because this is all about grasping the simplicity of all of this. The gospel itself is simple. The mandate is simple. God empowers, God empowers, and we witness, and in our witnessing, we lead people to become followers of Jesus Christ, and when we get enough of them, we start a new church. And that's really the simplicity of what Jesus has asked us 
to do. And then finally, I just want you to see this before we move on. Um, Understanding the urgency, understanding the simplicity, and then seeing the clarity of this ministry. It really is free of any obscurity. There's no ambiguity about it, no cloudiness. We know what we have to do. We know the, the manner in which the gospel needs to be explained. Our mission, it seems to me, is clear. And so this is what Luke records in Acts 1, picking up now at verse 9. And when he had said these things, when Jesus had said these things to his followers, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, now let's just pause there for a second. The last thing he said to them was go. And they're standing here talking to him. And when he finishes, he just, they're standing here. He's being lifted up in their midst and up and into the clouds and disappears. And they're standing there having watched this happen. They're just standing here like, how long do I have to do this before it's awkward? (laughs) Right? And it's just going on and on and on. How many people think you'd be doing exactly the same thing? I want to live in this moment. Did you see what just happened? That was awesome. And then these, well, the text goes on here. We'd all be doing the same thing. Behold, two men stood by them in white robes. That's the uniform of, yeah, those are angels. And said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? Why, why are you still standing here? What are you waiting for? He told you what the mission is. And it's not happening right here. So you need to go and do the thing that he told you to do. This Jesus, they said, who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. He is coming back, and when he comes back, I'm going back to Mark 13 now, you better be found awake. You better be working, serving Jesus, witnessing to him, fulfilling the mission. That's the clarity of it all. Jesus is coming back, and will you be ready when he comes. And what should be abundantly clear at the end of this message is this, that if you're not a follower of Christ, you need to become a follower of Jesus Christ and get ready for his appearing. That you should be baptized as a testimony to your faith in Jesus Christ. Do you really want him to come back and find that you've not been baptized? The simplest of things, a clear command You're really going to take the risk that that was a good decision of yours not to be baptized? When the scriptures are so clear on it. To be fruit producing in your life. To be showing greater evidence on a daily basis that you're becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. More holy than the day before. More evidence of him in your life. And that you would be found serving him at his return. However God has gifted you and passioned and impassioned you for ministry. If it's down the hall in Harvest Kids. If it's at Awana on Wednesday nights. Wherever it happens to be that you would be found there serving him. If it's at youth on Tuesday nights and pouring into the life of young people who are asking the big questions of life for the first time as a small group leader or in any one of a dozen other teams that support and help all of this happen on a weekly basis? Are you serving Jesus? Is he gonna find you there 
doing that and witnessing to him. You see, what the angels say here provides further motivation for the mission. We witness because he's returning. We live in anticipation of that return. And Jesus said this in Revelation twenty-two twelve, And we're gonna go into a lot more detail in the last message in this series next week when we talk about his a long-anticipated return. But Revelation twenty-two twelve says, Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. That's both negative and positive. Jesus is coming. How much clearer could that be? He wants to find you at it when he gets back, working for the kingdom. And this is message, I hope you hear my heart in this. This message is both a strong encouragement to you, to all of those who are fully engaged in the ministry, that some great things are happening here. I hope you've heard that all the way through. And it's also a charge to those who are not engaged and a charge to those who are under-engaged to get fully engaged to the glory of Jesus Christ in fulfilling his mission. Amen? All right, let's pray together and then we're gonna worship a little bit more. Father, thank you um, again for this time that we can have in your word and for how you're working um, in, in this place. And Father, I have a very good, very good sense that when a message like this comes up and we hear your word and the simplicity and clarity of it, the urgency is coming through, it just always seems to me that those who are really, really serious about this are gonna find lots of opportunities kind of put in front of them this week. Father, that when those opportunities come to witness for you, to invite someone to be here, to explain the gospel, God, that we, that we would take a good swing at that. That we wouldn't let the pitch pass. God, that we wouldn't squander any opportunity but we'd be so aware and so vigilant and so awake watching for those opportunities. And then with the same eagerness that we saw in these Christ followers in Acts 1, God, that we would want to witness out of our love for you and out of all the things that you've done for us. That perhaps this week, we would see some people come to faith in Jesus Christ as a result of commitments that are made in this room right now. Help us to feel the urgency, Father, and to be fully engaged in the mission that you've given to us here in Barrie, Simcoe County, in Ontario, in Canada, and around the world. Find us faithful, we pray, Father, in your Son's name. Thanks so much for listening. We always love hearing about the work God's doing in our listeners. If God's been doing a work in you, send us an email at info at And remember, you are loved.